Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roundhouse Crosstalk, a podcast hosted by the California State Railroad Museum. In this week's episode, we sit down with Tony Reeve. Amanda's going to interview him all about his book on spooky stories on trains, a perfect episode for the Halloween season. If you'd like to learn more about Tony Reeve's book, the link is in the description below to purchase that. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast again. The last one we did was very successful. That one turned out really, really well. Well, it's a pleasure to talk with you and the folks who are interested in the museum about railroad ghost stories, one of my favorite topics, and and I hope yours as well. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Perfect for a Halloween episode. This is is perfect for Halloween. Yep, definitely. All right. So you're already familiar with the process. I don't think we need to go over any of that. So we can get started whenever you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Perfect. Um, So what got you interested in railroad ghost stories? So I think what it goes back to is I spent much of my childhood in New Mexico. and, And although that doesn't relate specifically to railroad ghost stories, it's just a different kind of place if you've ever been there. I mean, I lived in Socorro, which is the closest town to the Trinity site. Um, It's right in the Rio Grande. Uh, People talked about uh, La Llorona. They talked about um, uh, Curanderas were part of the community. Uh, There was a house near my middle school that everyone thought was haunted. And then there was a ghost town called Kelly up in the mountains near Socorro where the gate at the front said, those who enter beware psychic phenomena. So, you know, you just don't see things like that as much in the East. And I think that's how I got interested. And then I've always loved railroads. And so I guess the uh, the combination was natural. Mm-hmm. Very natural progression. Uh, and what kind of railroad stories are there railroad ghost stories? Are there different like types you can categorize them into? Right. So, you know, like like everyone, I like to try to categorize things as I think about them or write about them. I did, I think it's still the only nationwide book of American Railroad Ghost Stories a number of years ago. It'll be the 25th anniversary of the book uh, in 2024. It's been out of print for a while, but it sold very well. And I still get, I probably get as many requests about it as I do about anything else that I've written, even though it's been out of print for so long. In that book, I characterize railroad ghosts as ghost trains, um, wreck reenactments, so always a ghost train involved in that, right? Uh, Ghost lights, haunted tunnels, haunted rail cars, haunted stations, and then a, a chapter that was sort of a miscellany. And one one thing I'll say, by the way, is I have enough, I still keep stories about railroad ghosts that I find, and I have enough for another book, and I have a couple of really, uh, really cool places and stories that I just haven't written about. Maybe when I retire, I'll I'll do a sequel, I I don't know. People ask me about that, too, and, you know, I'd love to do that, but it's all all about time. Mm Mm-hmm. I think people would love to hear those stories for sure. Well, so we, we if we talk about favorite stories, I'll mention a couple of things that aren't in the book. Oh, perfect. Perfect. This is limited edition. 
<laughs> <laughs> there you go. Only, you'll only get it here. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> um, so are most railroad ghost stories based on a true event, like an actual catastrophe that happened, or are a lot of them kind of original? You know, that is a great question, because if you read about ghost folklore, a lot of it can't be traced back to a real event. Mm -hmm. For example, that one of my favorite ghost story books, now it's only about New York State, but it's called Things That Go Bump in the Night. It's by Lewis C. Jones. About a, a one, the longest chapter in the book is about the uh, ghostly hitchhiker. I'm sure you've heard the story, or certainly anyone my age or older has heard the story, you, you, you know, a car with a single male or a couple of guys picks up a woman along the side of the road. Uh, and of course, hitchhiking was much more common uh, than it is now and drives to her house. And then when they get there, she's disappeared. They go up to the door and knock on the door and, and a mother or grandmother is there and says, oh gosh, that sounds like my daughter who died five years ago at you know such and such a place in the highway, which is where they picked her up, or they pick her up at where her grave is. And, and many people have tried to carry stories like that back to an actual circumstance. And it's, as far as I know, no one's ever been able to do that. Mm -hmm. But ghost legends, and that's why I think this is such a great question. They seem to be different. Most of the ones in my book do are connected to a specific place where either something happened or probably happened or may have happened. Mm -hmm. and, and a number of them are connected to very uh, famous incidents that definitely happened. So mm -hmm. in the case of ghost folklore for whatever reason and maybe it's because it's like a haunted house in the neighborhood right but that one gets in the in publicity a lot um there seems to be a kernel of truth in almost all the stories and it, it's it's even a little bit different than haunted houses i'll go back to that haunted house quote unquote in socorro new mexico i mentioned there there was no history I'm aware of, or I, anyone I was aware of knew that why that particular house would be haunted. But a lot of times when you carry ghost stories back, there is some kind of factual basis to it. And there, there are a number of examples in my book, and there are a number of examples in the stories that I've collected since then. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there are, there are some where there may have been a circumstance that caused the story, but you can't really trace it back. Mm -hmm. So these train stories are kind of uniquely historical. Yes, I think that's a fair statement. Mm -hmm. And I think it has, that goes back to the profound influence the railroad industry had on our society. Mm -hmm. uh, and then therefore the profound influence it had over the course of now almost two centuries. And I'll note that 20, uh, 2028 will be the 200th anniversary of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad, so we're coming up on that. Uh, but it, because it had such a profound influence on our society, it had profound influence on our folk culture, mm -hmm. right? Everything from the uh, the image of the Pullman Porter in, in older movies to music and to folklore like ghost folklore. Mm -hmm. yeah, I can definitely see that. 
So are most of our train ghost stories really old or are we still getting new ones today? That is another great question. And, and I guess everyone, uh, I will tell everyone, I got the questions in advance. I really thought about that one uh, because I can't think of, uh, there are ones that I've discovered recently since the book came out, but most of those go back to older things. So um, they do seem to be more occurring in the past. And I think the reason for that is what a number of folklorists I've talked to and read have said, and that is our, our folkways today, I mean, music is still there, but, you know, we we don't sit around telling stories. Um, I, I would suspect the folklorists of the future are going to be looking uh, at social media. And, mm -hmm. and one thing that concerns me about folklore and photography and, and so on is we're not producing physical artifacts. And so how exactly are we going to preserve, for example, all the great digital photography that's been done? Um, you know, if I, I think back in my past, um, I first saw a PC in 1982 and first worked with one in 1983. And we thought that one was really cool because it had two floppy disk uh, covers instead of one. And how do you read a floppy disk today, right? I mean, they yeah. used to be ubiquitous uh, for someone of my age. And so I, that does concern me because it's not like a book. I mean, we still find uh, manuscripts that are centuries old, mm -hmm. but that's because they're written down. Yeah. Right? yeah. Takes a completely different kind of archival process and a lot more intervention early. Yeah. Right. And one that is less accessible to many people mm -hmm. than simply owning a book or a photograph. Yeah. All the things that might be hidden under pass, like behind um, passwords or might be on websites mm -hmm. that are defunct. Yeah, it's really. And then story. also, as I said, um, media go out of uh, readability quickly. Thinking, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, how how ubiquitous were VHS, VHS tapes and now the audio CD is is disappearing so um and it's a lot less uh durable than they told us it was when they first came out with it so mm -hmm. it, it is an issue for folklore and music and photography and all those sorts of things yeah i wonder what kind of internet urban legends we might lose then <laughs> and one of the actually one of the news stories i'll talk about is is basically an internet urban legend so uh, foreshadow there <laughs> yeah a little bit of foreshadowing Awesome. Uh, well, I want to turn our discussion a little bit more about the book here. Uh, in your book, you mentioned the phrase hoodooed. Uh, what does it right. mean if a train is hoodooed? So it, it usually refers to, a in, in railroad folklore, it usually refers to a locomotive, but it also might refer to a spot or, or even a rail car. So railroad employees, uh, I don't know if this is still current. If it, if anyone's listening who knows about this, who works for the railroad, that would be great to hear. But traditionally, they they looked askance at locomotives that they felt had had um, too many accidents. Uh, one famous example is the locomotive that Casey Jones 
uh, ran the day he was killed. Uh, there, there are many others, none, none of them probably as well known as that one. So is this bad luck? Is this some something supernatural? Is it because, and this would be my guess, when an engine was involved in some notable tragedy, people started paying attention mm. to what happened. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, you know, it was a very, very dangerous occupation. It's still a fairly dangerous occupation, railroading. And so my guess is if you started watching an engine and looking for injuries or wrecks or derailments or so on, you were going to find them. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my guess. So hoodooed, it, it, it's close to voodooed, right? A hoodoo is, a, in the American South especially, is is a sort of a wandering spirit. Uh, a hoodooed locomotive is one that's bad luck, haunted, however you want to put it. Awesome. Well, let's talk about some of these hoodooed trains. Uh, I'd love to hear about some of your favorite haunted rail stories. So my absolute favorite is one that's one of the most famous. It's not about anywhere anywhere near where either of us are sitting right now, Sacramento, Thank goodness. California or uh, Durham, North Carolina, but it's Lincoln's ghost train. Mm. And I, I have done at least one other, it was not a podcast back then, it was just audio, but I did uh, a, a show like this on the radio 15 years ago now. And one of the uh, listeners came on and said that they worked for CSX and that they had actually seen Lincoln's ghost train. But to give you the story, so Uh, Abraham Lincoln, of course, being a president in the 19th century, he did almost all of his traveling by train, and he made two very famous journeys. One was to get to Washington to be inaugurated. Uh, They had to sneak him into Washington because Maryland, as you may know, was uh, fairly Mm pro-Confederate, and there were many death threats against him, so they they snuck him into Washington uh, on a train um, through Baltimore. And then, as everyone knows, he was assassinated just al- almost exactly at the time the Civil War ended and, by John Wilkes Booth. And he was taken back to his home in Springfield, Illinois, on a funeral train. And this train, um, it, it went across the United... I'm trying to think... Well, so Robert... Kennedy, uh, much more recently, that would have been in 1968, also tra- his body traveled on a funeral train. But this one, they so many people in the North now wanted to see his body that it went very slowly and it went from Washington up to Albany, New York, and then across to the West to Springfield, Illinois. And it, it was draped in crepe. It had famously uh, one of the part of the way one of the early Pullman cars had a military guard. People stood by the tracks to watch it go by. Uh, people viewed it with, it with lines like we saw with Queen Elizabeth mm-hmm. uh, in the last few weeks. And what the story is, is it, it's set on the Hudson or Harlem River Division of the New York Central, which this now today's CSX, between New York and Albany. And, and that's the way the train actually would have gone 
And the story is that on the anniversary of the train going by, which is in mid-April at night, that a black carpet will roll down the tracks and this things become quiet and this train goes by, except that now with the passage of time, it's it's very conspicuous because it's headed by a American type locomotive draped in crepe. And but the, and there's a band, except they've all dissolved to skeletons in tattered uniforms, and there's an honor guard in tattered uniforms. And and then finally at the end of the train, there's this, it's it's not a coach like he really traveled in, but there's a flat car with with a coffin. And many people have say they have seen this. This is probably the most, I don't know how outre um train ghost train that people say they have actually seen it's it's been written about many many times it's in a well-known book called miss after lincoln it's in my book it's in uh, things that go bump in the night um, newspapers tend to find the story especially in that part of the country every year or two and write about it so it but it's the way that people describe the train with the black sort of carpet rolling out and then things getting quiet and clock stopping and then the train going by soundlessly with the with the ghost band and the ghost honor guard and so on. The other thing I'll say about it is that if it, according to the legend, if if a train is either is going on the track, the ghost train goes right over it, no matter which direction the other train's going, without any effect on either of them. And the CSX employee that called in when I was doing the other show was a track worker and he said he had seen it and it was very similar to the way it was described in my book. So that's that's really my favorite story. Um, I'll So I'll also mention um, a new one I found and then another one that's, and, and I've seen that I've ridden on that train. If you haven't, if you can and you haven't ridden on Amtrak, uh, between New York, between Grand Central Station and Albany, that is just, it's one of the great train rides of the world. It, it, it goes along the Hudson River the whole way, uh, past Sing Sing, past um, West Point. Uh, it's just a stunning uh, rail ride, and it's not very expensive, and it's, it's very frequent and easy since you can get, you leave from Grand Central Station, which is very easy. Mm -hmm. So, um, Anyway, or maybe you leave from Penn Station now. I think that's right. You leave from Penn Station now. But um, it's a great, one of the great train rides of the US and maybe even the world. Um, the, the other two I'll mention, one, one is a place I've always wanted to see but have never seen, and that's uh, the Promontory, Utah area, which Amanda is much closer to you than to me, and um, is the site of the completion of the Transcontinental Railway. And there's a national uh, site there. I've never seen that, but the story is about a encampment of Chinese workers at a place called Sinks of Dove Creek, which is a lot. So to give you a little of the background, the, the original Transcontinental Railroad there went above the Great Salt Lake, and then it was a causeway was built across the Great Salt Lake and, and to shorten the distance. And this trackage has been abandoned for many, many, many decades now. But it's the original site of the Transcontinental Railways joining. And one of the Chinese work camps there, Sinks of Dove Creek, uh, there have been many stories, including recent. So here's one that people have reported recently, and it's a national 
site, so a lot of people go there. Uh, they hear the, the sounds of, the, it's not something people see, they hear the sounds of the workers speaking Chinese and so on. And one thing I've, so when my book was done, there hadn't been much done about the Chinese workers who really built half of the Transcontinental Railroad and many other railroads. And I've been very pleased to see, and Amanda, it's, it's many of these writers have been from your state, California. There's been a lot of work done uh, recently, workers, especially in the 19th century, their heritage. There's been some really creative things done about their heritage, uh, similar to what the Center for Railroad Photography and Art did about the heritage of the railroaders that Jack Delano had photographed. And so I've been very pleased to see that history noted much more because it was deliberately effaced in the 19th century. The famous photo of the Transcontinental Railroad completion, they, they made the Chinese workers leave so they wouldn't be in the photo. So um, it, anyway, it's a place I've always wanted to see. Lots of people have reported these sounds of ghost workers at Sinks and Dove Creek. And then, as I said, I've been collecting ghost legends uh, for a long time. And I even had some come in that didn't make it into the book because it, it, it went to press too late, but I've been collecting them since then. And I wanna tell you about a contemporary one that is probably the weirdest railroad ghost story I've ever encountered. And that is the rich, so-called Richmond vampire. So one thing I did know when I wrote this book, it's fairly, there is actually under the city of Richmond, Virginia. And if you don't know this, you're, you're going to say, really? But there is a tunnel called Churchill Tunnel that uh, was sealed up in 1925. And the re it, it's under Church Hill, which is the hill on which uh, the church where uh, the Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech was made. Mm. And this tunnel was sealed in 1925 because they were trying to reopen it to use it as a line in Richmond and it collapsed on a work train. Mm. And they, um, they, were, they got most, some of the people escaped, some of the people were killed. They didn't get the train out of the tunnel. They didn't get all the bodies out of the tunnel. So the train is entombed under Church Hill even today. And, um, what the legend is, it's really started, I think, with some newspaper articles, but there's a lot of social media. So listeners, if you want to look this up, you, there's videos and everything. The story is that as the train was collapsing in 19, tunnel was collapsing in 1925, that a vampire ran out of the tunnel and ran to about two miles to Hollywood Cemetery, which is the large civic cemetery in Richmond that has many graves of Confederate soldiers and so on. And for whatever reason, went into a specific tomb called the Pool Mausoleum. And so, and it is true that a railroad worker, the fireman on the train, was badly injured and burned and, and crawled out under the train and managed to get out of the tunnel alive. He later died in a hospital, but he he didn't make it any farther than the one of the tunnel portals and um, was taken to the hospital and died there. So what, one thing I really wonder about the story is how did, and this is, how did the linkage between this train 
and this specific specific mausoleum two miles away way developed. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I'll say is I knew all about the, this buried train when I did the book, but at the time I had never heard about a ghost story related to it. Mm -hmm. And um, now, I mean, everybody in Richmond seems to know about this. And I, I have um, recently uh, with a friend who likes industrial archaeology, uh, we've we found we went one of the tunnel portals is really easy to find it's actually sort of the open it's at the end of the open space for apartment complex but the other end is in in this sort of nasty urban wood that, that but we walked down there and we have been to both portals one of the portals is open and one of them is sealed the open portal is supposedly sealed somewhere farther in the tunnel, but you can't really, unless you want to wade in about um, two feet of nasty urban runoff water, you can't yeah. really see. But um, I've been to both ends of the tunnel. I've been to the mausoleum. I, 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 I haven't the darndest idea why people think the mausoleum has anything to do with the tunnel. I can see why people think the tunnel's haunted. I mean, there is literally still an entire train with a couple of bodies aboard it in that tunnel. Isn't that something? That is bone That's, chilling. It is something. Yeah. Uh, they, they've tried several times, I think, to to uh, um, get it out, but the tunnel's just too unstable. And and if if you if you drive over the road that's directly above the tunnel, you'll see a lot of foundation settling and such. Hmm. So because the tunnel is not, you know, for most of its length, it's not been filled in with sand or anything. It's hmm. just a tunnel that's collapsing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's a new story I'd love to put in a book. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And if, think, if, you, yeah. if you look for it on social media, you there are many, many things about it. Usually they're called the Richmond Vampire. Richmond but, Vampire. Yeah, but it's Churchill Tunnel. Wow. I think if any of these are haunted, I think that tunnel is the most haunted. Yeah. That sounds it, very haunted to me. <laughs> you know, one that is in my book that's similar, although they got the train out, is is very. I mean, Churchill Tunnel. Any, I mean, it's it is literally one mile off of I ninety five in Richmond. So, almost any American, sometime in their life, if they want to see this, can see this. But Alpine Tunnel in Colorado has a very similar story. Although the the train it collapsed on a train, they did get the train out. Mm -hmm. um, and, but. It, it was very similar. There were many of the people on the train were, they were working on the tunnel. There was a collapse. Many of the people on the train were asphyxiated by the locomotive, um, but it, it wasn't so unstable they couldn't get the train out. And the, the tunnel, as far as I know, I've, I've never been there, but as far as I know, you can walk up to it. And somewhere in the remote Colorado mountains. <laughs> but uh, in my book, you can find that story, but Churchill Tunnel is not in there because I had never heard of it being haunted when I wrote it. Uh, what kind of things do people report seeing or hearing or experiencing at the Churchill Tunnel? So as I, I mean, the story is that this, you can sometimes see this vampire coming out of the sealed tunnel portal. You either see the vampire at the tunnel portal um or you see him it's a him uh mm -hmm. at the pool mausoleum in uh in cemetery oh my gosh all right listeners keep an eye out for the <laughs> vampire yeah there's no i mean there's there's nothing about it normally being on the anniversary or anything like that um it's very much an urban legend kind of thing and if you go and look at one of the 
YouTube videos about it or something, you'll see what I mean. Wow. It's, it's, it's a modern kind of ghost story. Yeah. That is insane. That's, yeah. I really like that one. Um, so which of all the ghost stories you've heard and studied, which one do you think is the scariest? Do any of them really make you nervous? Yeah. So one that's fairly well documented, although it's really ancient, is uh, the ghost train of Marshall Pass. And that is in my book. And so the story, and it's something that only happened one time, but the, and it's on another thing that's really interesting about it. Uh, well, a couple of things. It's on the former narrow gauge part of the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad, two parts of which you can still ride on, the Durango and Silverton and the Cumberson Toltec. And it's also um, the stories about one of these very high mountain passes that in the U.S., I think it's fair to say they occur in, mostly in Colorado. There's there's Combrus Pass on the uh, Cumberson Toltec. Um, there's um, Corona Pass on the, the former uh, Denver and Salt Lake. And then there's Marshall Pass. Well, and there's there's one that's unused, but still there, Tennessee Pass and Marshall Pass on the on the it was on a narrow gauge Denver and Rio Grande line and the story is that a passenger train was on that pass um one time and they the the pat the whole train saw this they they looked behind them and another train that was that was not supposed to be there was following them and they they got to the top of the pass and started down the other train did too and it started closing in on them and the the passengers and even the engineer could look back and see that it, the engineer of the other train had a, a white face like a corpse and he was leaning out of his window laughing uh -huh. and so the the real train in front had orders to meet another train somewhere down the mountain but they speeded up to try to avoid this other train and and then just about the time when they got to where they were going to meet the red, the train they were supposed to pass they saw a red lantern and the engineer knew that a real you know this scheduled train was in front of him and didn't know what to do so he decided to stop so he called for brakes this be before air brakes and they stopped and they managed to avoid a hit-in collision with the train they were supposed to meet the other train behind them, um, it just as it was going to crash into the rear of the train that stopped, the rail seemed to open, the train ran off the side of the mountain and disappeared. And then um, what's even weird about, and so according to legend and newspaper articles from the time and records and so on, all the folks on the real train saw that happen. And then the weirdest part of it to me is the next morning, uh, it, the engineer went to work and in scratch, and it was cold. It was, after all, it was Marshall Pass, right? So it was cold and there was some frost on the window and someone had written a mess. I mean, it's exactly what it says is in my book. It was something like uh, a train was wrecked as you saw. If you ever work in this railroad again, you would be killed. And so, like as it happens in many of these stories, uh, I think the engineer decided to to quit and go work somewhere else. <laughs> but that's uh, it's a fairly well substantiated story. It's never recurred. There was no one 
has any idea why this ghost train appeared, what that was about. So I, I think that's pretty creepy. Yeah, that's very scary. The the image of the white face. Oh, right. That's what I like. I mean, the two images about that story mm-hmm. I like the best. One is the face of the ghost engineer, and the other is the, you know, the scrawled writing on the yeah. frosted cab window the next morning. Oh, so, yeah. We we should make a movie. Definitely, <laughs> that'd be a very good movie. Wow. So these are all really interesting, really great ghost stories. What, what do you think it is about the railroad that makes people want to tell ghost stories about it? Why are there so many ghost stories about the railroad? I I think it's a number of things, but um, three things, well, four things I'll point out. One is, as I already said, the railroad was a, was like the telegraph, like the, the steamship, like the internet. I mean, had had an immeasurable impact on our society, in fact, on really every society. And and so it was something people talked about. And and so therefore it also had an immense impact on our folk ways and our folk culture. Mm-hmm. Then the second thing is it it was uh, a very dangerous way, not so much to travel, although certainly it was much more dangerous to travel by rail then than it is now, but it, it was a very dangerous place to work. Mm-hmm. and very dangerous and so there were a lot of opportunities for tragedies that tend to be the kernels of ghost folklore a lot of the time mm-hmm. and then the third thing is it since it was so ubiquitous and since there were so many um tragic stories about it 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 was it was something that was in the news I mean, if you think back to 100 years ago, well, no, really more like 120 years ago now, you know, the railroad station was where you got, it, your mail came in there, you might have gotten it from the post office, but your mail came in there, uh, your electronic communication um, from far away, telegrams and cables came in there. If you left town or or had someone come back to town, it was probably from there. If you got express uh, or freight, it was to there. So it was ubiquitous. And I think the the tragedies, the ubiquity and, and the folklore, con- they really converged there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I will say where I think you see this happening today is in um, social media and, and um, modern urban ghost legends. I mean, you yeah. can, you know, it, no matter what community you're in, in the United States, anyway, you can probably go online and find uh, ghost stories. And so I think that's recent urban ghost stories. So I think that's kind of the modern counterpart to this. I mean, w- one example of that I'll give is I, I went to high school here in Durham, and uh, I always heard stories about a, a haunted cemetery that people would go to somewhere in uh, sort of central western part of the county. Um, I had no idea where that was or how to find out about that. Now, if you if you uh, go on the internet and and Google Coal Mill Road access, you find you know that ghost hunters come from all over the United States to go to this cemetery to get the the kind of recorded possible voices. I forget what they call it, but I mean you know it's it's all over the internet now. Um, a story that was you know, hard to pin down 
when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, the railroad was in many ways, the railroad station particularly was in many ways the lead communication media of the time. Yeah. Right. And we make this comparison on the podcast all the time between um, the railroad and the internet, where it's just. Oh, I'm glad to hear it because I, yeah. I haven't heard many people say that. Yeah, it's like the, the the big change and the thing that basically everyone's life is centered around. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to help our listeners who may not have that as much of a personal relationship with rail really understand how important it was to yeah. the vast majority yeah. of people. I think that's a very good way to think about it. And then, yes, I mean, again, to to restate, I mean, the the already modern ghost folklore and the internet are are intimately connected and and the internet is is um accelerating and amplifying Mm -hmm. urban ghost folklore no no doubt in my mind about it yeah i wonder if in 120 years there's going to be someone being interviewed about internet ghost stories (laughs) i I think it'd be a great thing to be interviewed about now i'm not i'm not the expert to interview about that one but (laughs) I think that would be, you know, that's a great topic. Thank you all for listening to Roundhouse Crosstalk, a podcast hosted by the California State Railroad Museum. I hope you enjoyed learning all about ghost stories on the train tracks, and I hope you all have a wonderful Halloween. We'll see you next time.